0: And we're live. Welcome in, everyone, to episode one of In the Trench of Sports. Sean Ludden alongside the coach, Chance Clemens. Coach, what's up?
1: Not much. It's another day in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Ooh,
0: good old Tulsa, Oklahoma. Have not right. been, but uh, I don't think I'm missing much.
1: No, not much right now, for sure.
0: <laughs> Just heat, isn't it?
1: Yeah, a lot of heat.
0: I, I think that's uh, kind of the, what the whole country's going through right now. I know uh, I get off work 8 o'clock at night. It's still 102 down here in uh, the Dallas metro. Sheesh, it is I... n- not supposed to be that hot.
1: <laughs> no. Sign me up for cold weather.
0: I tell you what, I'm, you know, I'm still missing the Kansas City weather right now where it's <laughs> 70, 80 degrees. You know, able to go out to the lake on the weekend, not die and be a lobster, but, uh, you know, comes with the moves, comes with life. All right, so we're going to get things started. Coin toss, you know, I think we had a good teaser episode last week, got some good feedback uh, feedback from everyone, and, uh, you know, I think coin toss is going to be here to stay. So we'll get it started. First one here tonight is uh, Tyree Kill came out and said Tua is a more accurate passer than Patrick Mahomes.
1: I'm gonna have to go with uh, tails for sure on that one.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I was <laughs> I was really going to question your sanity if you went heads on that.
1: Now I I I think. He is making up for his first comments about two of being a big downgrade for Mahomes. And I think he's just backbelling trying to make up for it. And it's no one's believing it.
0: You know, the way I'm seeing it right now, too, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also see it that Tyreek is catching passes. When no one is defending him right now, they're in OTA mini camps right now, and no defense on him, no defenders. If they have a defense, it's just a little shell coverage, to where they're playing off of him. Exactly. I'm sorry. Let me see live action up against other defenses in the in this NFL, and put Tua in a real life game with Hill, and Tyreek is going to beg to have Mahomes back.
1: Exactly, and the the good thing right now is Miami's young, so they're kind of they're in that stage of they've had success the last two years surprisingly, and so they can get better. But one of their weakest points was offensive line, and I think they tried to fix that this offseason. I don't think it was a great job of trying to fix it, but it's something that they think is going to help with having Hill there, so now you have Hill and Water on opposite sides of the field. Uh And so they're going to try to take some pressure off of Tua with that, and so hopefully that helps and that brings in a little more consistency in the past game. You know, People give Brady crap for being like a He's not the most athletic quarterback, but the guy's won seven championships because he knows how to manage the game and he checks down and he makes completions. And at the end of the day, if you're going 10 for 10 on completions, you're moving the ball. Uh So I think right now if Tua can just get the confidence of starting a game and going 7 for 10, 8 for 10 – in a game just to start out, you're you're gonna see more, you're going to see bigger plays from Miami than just throw it off your back foot and get hit while you let go.
0: Oh exactly. I mean you have to you have to build that confidence in the offense and exactly build build that confidence between each each player. It's what every coach and what every every person preaches, you know, down in distance. You know, it's the little dink yardages where you have to, you know, a little five yard out route, you know, right off right out to the corner or something like that. You know, get that going, throw in a little dive or a counter here and there, pick up another three, four yards, set yourself up for success right there, have a manageable third down, be able to convert that. And as long as you're consistently doing that drive after drive, you know, you're going to get yourself down the field, be able to have a chance to score points but then you have to be able to hope that then when you get down into the red zone you can actually convert and put you know some points on the board that's a touchdown instead of just going for a field goal i mean touchdowns win ball games it's not a field goal
1: exactly
0: so easy enough i think uh, first coin toss let's go into the second one the commanders the Washington Commanders. I, you know, I'm. I still like Washington football team. I'm not liking this Commanders name, but they're seeking to build the NFL's smallest stadium. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing?
1: Honestly, I think it's a bad thing. So I'm gonna go tails. Um, if I remember right. This new stadium is going to have what 55,000, maybe yeah. roughly 60 if you're you know at best. And I think their old stadium held close to 90,000. And so that that's going to suck. You're killing your fan base your ticket prices are going to have to go up, one for the new stadium, of course, but also to make up for the lost revenue. And so unless they're going to have something outdoors where people who didn't buy the ticket but are able to do um, barbecue and everything outside in the parking lots, Unless you're going to have like a fan experience outside the, the stadium, you're okay. you're just going to hurt yourself.
0: Well, they're saying they're uh outside of the stadium is going to potentially have a little amphitheater with it as well, for another fifteen to twenty thousand people, um, as well as high end shops, restaurants, bars, and also residential living. So they're looking to build a whole entire you know environment and you know, community around this stadium, the project's going to cost about $3 billion right now. And, you know, I I can see where this is a good thing and I kind of want to go heads with it. Part of me is I'm, I'm te- torn at the seams. You know, I, I want to lean heads. I want to lean tails. I think I'm going to go heads on this just because Washington, they don't have the performance anymore. They are not putting a good product out on the field. You know, you look at the games, you look at the stadium when they're on TV, that stadium is barely full. So they need to do something. And if it's going to be, you know, to make it look like they have a passionate fan base by diminishing the amount of seats in that stadium to bring it that way, you know, then, you know, do it but they have to be able to you know, make it worth the wild for the fans that are actually going to this ball game, you know, to see the product on the field. So they have to be able to put a good product on the field. Um, but, you know, for the ones that are going to go to the stadium, but not actually get into the game, they also have to be able to make that a fun environment as well. And it sounds like they might do that um, kind of create like how St. Louis has the ballpark village right outside Bush stadium. Um for the Cardinals and kind of also what the Cowboys have created in Frisco with their training facility, the star Um, fans on game day down here in Dallas, whether the Cowboys are at home or on the road, can go to the star, have a huge, you know, party and tailgate community right outside the star, watch a game inside the practice facility as well on the turf. And also on the giant jumbotron outside while there's, numerous amount of options for restaurants and shopping as well. So, I mean, this could potentially play in in a good role for Dan Snyder and the the Commanders.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, I hope it works out. Uh, For what I've looked at is the NFL has already basically kind of stated that this new stadium is going to be too small to host any major events for them, like the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think that hurts because we've seen in the past once a new be, a new stadium is built, the NFL steps right in and says, "All right, great, you're hosting the Super Bowl in three years."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the but next is... available thing. I just don't, and I understand that they've had issues filling up their old stadium with multiple, on and off the field issues. And so, like you said, I think this is a way to help create a a better fan base of those that are diehard, that are in fully. But I I don't need a shopping center at a stadium. I don't need a living area outside the stadium.
0: You want to be able to go to the stadium and go to the game – have some beers in the parking lot, watch some football, and then go home.
1: Yeah, like this almost comes off as they're trying to create a college atmosphere in the NFL with there being nearby housing and living situations by the stadium.
0: One big thing I'm seeing with this that you brought up is, you know, how the NFL always wants to get the new stadiums in the spotlight is, is Washington DC, the nation's capital, really an area where we want to have, you know, a Super Bowl at. And in my opinion, it's not, there's not enough resources when it comes to hotels. There's not enough attractions. You know, yes, you have the Smithsonian's and everything else, but it's not that, when you think of the Super Bowl and the NFL fans gathering in in one spot, I don't see Washington D.C. or you know these little surrounding towns and where this new stadium is going to be built at in Woodbridge, Virginia, as an area that the NFL would even want to have a Super Bowl even located at either.
1: Exactly. And. I know that they've talked about the Pro Bowl maybe being moved and going to other NFL stadiums and stuff. I don't I don't know if this would even be a place where you would want the Pro Bowl to be.
0: Oh no. I
1: mean it's Cute. just especially that late in the season, I don't know if it's, you know, very suitable for fans to want to come to a cold area environment at the end of the season to watch you know fake football really
0: yeah I mean you have to go you have to look back at you know previous cold weather Super Bowls you know they're all in domes besides the 2012 Super Bowl that was in you know New York at MetLife when it first opened and that was just a god awful Super Bowl um but You have to go back, look at Minnesota, look at Detroit, um, look at the stadiums up north that have hosted Super Bowls here recently, and look at the weather and the fan engagement for, you know, events and everything else, it's dwindled compared to what it is when it's in a warmer climate, when it's California, Florida, even Louisiana. I think the only one that has been, you know, a uh, oh, I'm lost. My word, um, an exception to the rule there is when the uh, Dallas hosted the Super Bowl. Most uh, you know their last time they hosted, and there was the ice storm down here in Dallas. Exactly. If it wasn't for that ice storm, which is a rarity in Texas to begin with, you know, I think that would have been you know a great atmosphere. You have that brand new stadium, Jerry's World, and everything that is built up, you know, in the Dallas Metro and so many things to do. Even back then, you know, even now, if Dallas was to get another Super Bowl, you know, I, I don't see an issue with them hosting.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: So, I think uh, – you know, I, I think we've touched on a couple of other topics that you know, for later on in the season here, just off of this one coin toss, are going to be good ones for us to s- discuss on. You know, what what is the NFL going to do with the Pro Bowl? You know, are we going to get rid of it? Or are we going to change it? Is it going to move different stadiums? What can we do to actually improve the Pro Bowl? Um, you know, and then. What are we going to do about the Super Bowl? I, I think more teams, more cities have to have a better option or better chance at hosting. You know, allow Kansas City, you know, to host. You know, give a give a true cold weather city a chance to host. You know, I th- I think that'd be kind of fun.
1: Yeah. But it that's for, definitely. Yeah, and. Yeah, it stuff like that it introduces more aspect of a different side of the game I would say
0: exactly I mean it you start getting into the economics of it and everything else and you know I, I think it's going to be interesting to see because FIFA is announcing the World Cup cities for the 2026 World Cup which is going to be in North America they're announcing those cities tomorrow on June 16th um, you know, so by time our, this podcast is out, we're going to know these 16 cities in, the nor- in North America um, that will host the World Cup. And Kansas City is a very strong option on there. And depending on how – if Kansas City wins the bid and how they do hosting a World Cup game it, or even a semifinal game for the World Cup, I think the NFL will have to take notice on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So – but that's definitely uh, another show down the road. So final coin toss. I, I think both of us are going to lean heads on this one right now. Um, so we probably don't have to talk about it for, America, for for long. But Minka Fitzpatrick, he inked a new deal today with the Steelers. Contract extension worth four years, $18.4 million a year, 36 mil guaranteed. Heads.
1: Absolutely heads.
0: I mean, uh, there's I, I don't think you have a better safety in the game right now than make it Fitzpatrick.
1: Um, it it'd be hard. But yeah, I, I think he is if he's not number one, I mean he's absolutely top three.
0: Oh, by far. I mean you you've gotta look at what this also does for guys like Derwin James. You know, he's due for a big payout. But does Derwin James play on the field? Also, deserve that contract extension?
1: Yeah, possibly. And I don't. I don't have his stats pulled up. I have uh, Fitzpatrick's. And for the production he has created. He's 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 worth what he's getting paid, and for his safety, he's not making as much as he could be. If that makes sense,
0: if he, I, oh, I, he it definitely does. I mean, he's now the highest paid safety, but the safety position is still a very under underpaid position when we look at the yeah. NFL.
1: And if he wasn't on the Steelers, if he was in Detroit, or possibly even if he was still in Miami, where he was first at, he would probably be making three to five million more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I believe. I mean, and he bumps up to what 19 to 20, 21 a year and gets closer to 40, 42 million total. And he's coming off a 124 tackle season. 84 of those are solo. For a safety That's It's
0: impressive.
1: It is. And the traditional sense of football, your safety was always like your last resort. But with the way the Steelers play defense and they're rotating guys down and almost adapting, you know, football the last 10, 15 years really, the safety is almost becoming more vital to the box on run plays and quick short passes. And he is definitely a safety that can ruin a drive for an offense with one or two big plays.
0: You know, and he's not afraid to be physical. And I think that's what I like most about his game. Is Mm -hmm. he will get down and dirty and lay out a big hit or even put his body on the line when it means, you know, he's got to change the tempo of the game somehow. And I think that's probably what fits best in Pittsburgh as well. The Steelers have always been that hard nose, you know, pounded out, nose to the grindstone type of team. And the fans, and Pittsburgh love that and you know he he meshes well.
1: Exactly. And he's averaging for his three years in Pittsburgh, this is not including the two years in Miami. He's averaging roughly eight pass breakups a season. And people think like, oh, that's not a whole lot, but I mean that's one every two games where he is directly knocking the ball away from a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And people think pass deflections should be, you know, bigger numbers and stuff, but majority of the time, the ball that's incomplete is overthrown, it's too short, or the wide receiver dropped it. Yep. And so, to have eight pass deflections a year, that's pretty impressive. Especially for a safety who's not one-on-one with a at wide receiver all the time.
0: Well, you look at today's game as well, the way the officials call today's game, whenever you do see a pass breakup, we're questioning was there a pass interference on that play as well. Exactly. You know, because of just how physical the receivers and the defenders have gotten, but then also how tightly they play on each other as well. I mean, so like you said, you know, everyone expects – pass breakups to be a higher number, but you have to play that little caveat on there to where, you know, the refs are calling more pass interferences nowadays as well.
1: Yeah, and I feel like nowadays you never know what pass interference is anymore, especially depending you, on what, which game it is.
0: No, you, you don't know what pass interference is, you don't know what a holding is, and you don't know what a catch is.
1: Des Bryant still called it.
0: Mm. <laughs> Can agree to disagree on that. <laughs> All, All right. right.
1: So I think that wraps it up for coin toss.
0: I think so. Good, good, going, uh, good coin toss there. Um, so we'll go into the next segment here. We're going to talk about some NFL. You know, why not? We're, we're going getting close into training camp. Um, You know, and now, you know, I think we need to talk about what some teams need to do with their stadiums. Um, We've got the Bills who already have a new stadium in the works. Um, So it's still going to be located there in the Orchard Park area outside of Buffalo. Um, The Titans are essentially demanding Nashville to build them a new stadium or they're going to look elsewhere. And then we have the commanders, you know, looking to build that new stadium as well. Um, so what do you think? Should teams work on renovating the stadiums they have or is it best for them to build a new stadium?
1: At this point, and I think it depends on the franchise, um, but at this point for all of these teams, you just need to rebuild. But and I don't I don't think teams, look at this sometimes where every three years it's, well I would say every year you should be looking at what do we need to improve what can we do to upgrade our stadium even if it's in a minor setting and kind of have a three year plan about it of what needs to be done now what can be done in two years or in three years and make those small upgrades as time goes on so when you do need to build a new stadium this is just how i'm thinking the city can go and recognize like hey they tried to make this stadium work as long as possible by taking care of it and upgrading it Mm -hmm. instead of just being hey i'm wiping my hands of it thanks for the stadium but it's in, it's time for a new one and you have to pay for it.
0: Well, you know, I, I think you make a good point there. and It's something that I think these cities, you know, need really need to think about when they're in discussion with these new potential new stadiums or potential renovations with these teams, you know, how much is the team going to put up front for these renovations or for a new stadium? And how much are the city and the taxpayers going to have to pay? How much in, you know, special bonding is the team going to get? And how much of a tax break is the team going to get as well? Because we see it all the time with these teams, you know, where they get special tax breaks, special leases, everything else. And so much of the bill is put on the foot of the community surrounding the stadium. And then, you know, you have ticket prices going up and everything else. And it's almost driving away some fans from wanting to support that local team.
1: Exactly.
0: I You look at the oldest stadiums right now in the league. You have Soldiers Field there in Chicago, home to the Bears. And even the Bears right now are looking – to potentially build a new stadium on the northwestern side of Chicago kind of in the same area where Chicago Land Speedway is mm-hmm. they bought about a huge massive amount of land and i'm sorry if the bears leave downtown chicago and leave soldier's field leave soldier field i mean you you've, you've kind of got to blame the city on that one i mean yes the bears did that massive reno back in 2003, 2003 and they took out a bunch of seating as well for that renovation but that's a historic landmark right there and you've got to try and keep the bears in that stadium as long as you possibly can do as much as you can to keep renovating you know if it means playing another season outside of the stadium to do more renovations like they did back then you've got to do what you got to do and, I mean, I'm not only saying the city has to do that, but the NFL as well. You know, they, they have to do what they can to try and keep Chicago, keep the Bears in that stadium. I mean, you have Lambeau as well. You know, Packers have been playing there since 57. Two of the most iconic stadiums right there, 1924 and 1957. Third oldest stadium, Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium, opened in 72. And the Chiefs just got done with massive renovations, you know, back in 2010, 2012-ish time frame. Yeah. And they're looking to do what can they do now again, you know, to make the fan fan environment, you know, even better. You know, what what other renovations? They've already re, redone all the seats in the stadium um, over the past couple off seasons. They finally have uh, seats in the upper deck with cup holders. It took them almost 50 years to get cup holders in that upper deck. (laughs) 50 years, Chance, for a dang cup holder.
1: I mean, it's crazy, but...
0: I mean, but... They waited as long
1: as they could to save some money.
0: They did. (laughs) And, you know, I've spent several games at that stadium. There's not a bad seat in that house. But when I hear talks from the president Mark Donovan that they're in talks with possibly Kansas with the Kansas side of maybe looking for a new location to put a stadium and crossing the state line. That makes my blood boil. You don't leave Arrowhead if you're the chiefs. I mean, that is one of the most iconic stadiums in the league. I mean, you could ask anyone who's not a football fan, essentially, and ask, ask them, what stadium is that? And they'll know that's the home of the Chiefs. I think there's a few stadiums where you could ask fans, and it's Arrowhead, it's Lambeau, and I think Chicago. I, Chicago, and I think Jerry's World. Yeah. I, I think that, have, when that
1: stadium opened up, it changed – they basically created the mega stadium that we see yep.
0: today. Yep. So I uh, you
1: and <sighs> I think this is hilarious. And sportingnews.com listed every stadium and they start from the worst to the best. And at the bottom of the list is the best stadium and it's Lambo. In 1957 is when it was opened.
0: Uh So the
1: oldest stadium is referred to as the best stadium because they take care of their stuff. Yes. The worst stadium, no surprise, is FedEx Field for Washington.
0: No, we... We all we just had that discussion on that whole dumpster fire there.
1: Yeah, I I just I think I just think that's funny. You know, we have the commanders, Bills, and Titans as the you know three stadiums we're talking about of redoing everything, and the Bills are the oldest at 1973, so
0: they're the most needed upgrade. I that stadium for the Bills is has almost been around the entire franchise. I mean, the Bills yeah. came into existence in 1960 when the AFL was founded. Same with the Chiefs, you know, and Buffalo's been playing in the same stadium for, you know, every year except for, what, 13 seasons?
1: Yeah, and Another they had no problem working with them on building a new stadium because they help take care of what they have and not gouging their fans for a new stadium every 20
0: years. Exactly. You know, now the only issue with Buffalo is they can never keep a stadium name. You know, I think in the past 10 years, it's changed names five different times.
1: That's fine. I don't care about that.
0: I, I, I hate stadium names. I'm sorry, but... It's, Air, it's Arrowhead Stadium. It's not G-H-A Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Yeah. I and mean, if someone's
1: willing to pay you for it, then I get it. I
0: I, I do, too. You got to make money where you got to make money, but...
1: At the end of the day, people know it for Bill's Mafia and being the home of Bill's Mafia and being the the stadium of the Bills. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Staples Center is, is iconic because... You know, Staples owned the building for so long in LA, but now I don't even think it's the Staples building or some other name. But no, it's uh, you, we just refer to a Staples building still,
0: it is crypto.com arena.
1: Yeah, that, no one's gonna remember that in
0: 20 no, years. It, it's Staples Center. Yeah, so all right. Topping number two in the NFL. We're going into year two of Dan Campbell and these Lions. We didn't see much of uh, kneecaps getting chopped off last year. You know, he, he was going to go and bite him right off at the kneecaps. Didn't happen that much. Things going to improve year two.
1: They need to. I think they have a good foundation on what they want to work towards and I think sorry I believe we really saw them put their faith in golf when they didn't try to get a quarterback and they stayed solid and said now we're going to get the rookie running uh, the rookie wide receiver we we got a franchise player on defense or a first pick and so they're giving golf the opportunity to help turn it around but they're also kind of putting it on him where if you fail we're getting a replacement next year in 2023 draft
0: oh yeah I mean you really have to question is golf that guy you know he, he started great you know when it was uh when he first started in LA with the Rams.
1: But well, took to the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. And, and he was had honestly, probably one of the one of the greatest games ever against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah. He was a catch away, a completion away from winning.
0: So I mean if for me it really boils down to is Goff the guy, but it's like you said, they are building a good young core. You have um, Penny, Penny Sui, um, the offensive lineman they took out of Oregon last year in the draft. Mm-hmm. Like you Which said. we, we
1: all th- thought was a great pick.
0: Oh, yes. I Honestly. loved that pick. Loved it. And you, like you just said, you got the young receiver they got. Um, and then you got Aiden Hutchinson. You know, probably by far I think the steal of the draft at number two. I mean, because honestly, I who who didn't expect Hutchinson to go number one? I I think everyone kind of thought he was going to go number one.
1: I I think everyone thought that, but it was hard for people to believe it because it's the fact that you saw Burrow tears ACL because he had a poor offensive line and so I, I feel like the Jaguars got scared of what Burrow did doesn't happen every time someone tears an ACL
0: uh-huh. and I,
1: I think they just got scared of this is the guy we've invested in we can't take that shot of him getting hurt and now we're down another year without a quarterback and struggling Franchise, and so I think I think that's why they went tackle, and he's a, he's probably the best tackle that was on the board. Oh, by and far. So I think Hutchinson would have helped the Jaguars as well. I mean, defense helps the offense, offense helps the defense, and we know that. But when you look at the stats for the lions they gave up just shy of a thousand more yards than they than they uh, forced when your defense is giving up a thousand more yards than what your offense can produce it's it's hard to win games
0: it really is i you're.
1: You're asking too much. Yeah. And you can break that down to where you're essentially giving up four to six first downs a game, additional first downs a game, and that's two, three, four extra minutes running off the clock depending on what team you're playing. So It worked out for them that Hutchinson was there, so you grab the best defensive player on the in the draft that's on the board. You get a steal at wide receiver with a guy that was projected to be a top pick, who you know sadly got hurt. But for the Lions, it made sense. Like take the risk on the kid. If he doesn't work out, no one's going to blame you. Because you saw the potential in him being a all-SEC type player that could easily translate to the NFL. You've got um, another young wide receiver with St. Brown from last year that showed phenomenal ability. I love the
0: potential. Love the potential yeah. out of St. Brown.
1: So your question mark... Other than that is Josh Reynolds. Can he stay healthy and he can he be the veteran wide receiver to step up? So I if they're going to do anything, they need to do it this year because I think next year the Bears are going to be a lot better and you're going to see the Bears really make some moves next off season.
0: Well and I, I think everyone in that whole division outside of the Packers get better by next year. Um you know the only ones that I'm concerned with is the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. You know you can have a great you can have a great Kirk Cousins and then you have Kirk Cousins that's can get you to winning a game and then lose it in the final seconds. Yeah. So I mean,
1: he's he's won literally 50% of his games.
0: Yeah. And he's only won one primetime game. Yeah. One primetime game.
1: So, we'll we'll <laughs> see. The Lions, they could be looking for a quarterback next year too. And I, I'm going to just jump ahead right now and say this. If they can't make the playoffs this year, I look at trading Cook, getting up in the draft and trying to steal a quarterback, and then with your second-round pick, getting a running back and basically rebuilding.
0: you you've got to do something i mean if that nfc north it's, it's always been a tough division but it always goes through pittsburgh i mean not pittsburgh green bay wow um <laughs> wrong wrong north division there um but you know it always goes through green bay the games those division games they always mean something yeah, but, exactly
1: and I don't see it changing until Rodgers leaves.
0: No. And I don't think Jordan Love is going to be your guy for Green Bay either. I think whenever it does time come time for Rodgers to leave, I don't think Love will ever get that starting nod.
1: No. And this could be a great year for the Lions to kind of upset Green Bay because he's got no veteran wide receivers besides Cobb. Yeah, he has no weapons. I mean, so he's got Adams out of the backfield, and he's got Dylan, but you don't have a wide receiver to go one on one. Now you have your rookies, but I don't. I don't know if Rodgers trusts them because we've seen in the past that he kind of throws the rookies to the side and. Makes them kind of develop on their own until they're good enough to kind of stay up with him.
0: So is this the and, part where we get into uh, where Rodgers and Derek Carr are like, where they both choke at the end of the season?
1: I mean, I have more faith in Derek Carr than I do Rodgers. <laughs> I think Rodgers has the better ability, but oh, I, I think agree. Clark has the better has the better headspace and leadership. And he also has a better defense around him and a better head coach right now. Yes. But that's been the problem with Green Bay for the last 20 years is they run through the division and they get to the playoffs and they can't compete. And so that's why I never picked them to be my Super Bowl team because I know eventually the clock, clock runs out on them.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, you know, Green Bay is somehow always going to find a way to choke in the playoffs, whether it's in the divisional round, or if it comes down into the conference title game. And it's usually one of three teams they're losing to, and it's typically the 49ers, the Saints, or as of late, the Bucks.
1: Exactly. And... You know, we'll see what the Bucks can do when Brady leaves at the end of this year.
0: I'm That's assuming. if he leaves. If he leaves.
1: Yeah. And then we I don't see the Chargers going anywhere for, or not the Chargers. Um, I don't see the Rams going anywhere for at least another two or three years. No. You know, as long as that team stays healthy. So we'll see.
0: So, I, I definitely think, you know, the Lions improved this year. Is it going to be, what, uh, what everyone expects it to be? you know, off of last year, I don't think so. But I think we, we're definitely going to see some improvements.
1: Absolutely. So, so I'm I'm rooting for them as the underdog in that division.
0: Yes, I I am too. So, last topic. Here into uh the nfl before we get into a sneak peek of our franchise players um you know and it, it's something you tweeted out on our page today a retweet um from a uh, first take and mad dog and steven a going over mad dog's top five sport uh franchises and dear god that was an awful list
1: It it truly was like I I have no explanation.
0: Uh, You have Mad Dog has listed best sports fan bases by city, and this is all major sports combined. As we're doing this list, you know that he's doing this list. He has Cleveland number one. Detroit second, New York third. I, I, I can kind of see that, kind of. Chicago fourth and Philadelphia fifth. I know mean, all he essentially did was just name off the biggest markets. Exactly. And just ranked them that way. But I don't see any any validity behind any of these cities except for Philadelphia.
1: Okay, so you said Cleveland is first. Yeah. And then uh, who is second? So go through that list again
0: Cleveland, Detroit, New York, Chicago, and Philly.
1: Okay, so
0: in Cleveland, you have the Cavaliers, you have the Browns, and you have the Guardians.
1: I yeah, I don't see any championships in those teams. No. I mean, the Cavs have won. And, and that was by the guy who left them multiple times. Complained about it, and they came back and they praised him. They left and they complained about it. I mean, I'm sorry. Cleveland's not a top five fan base.
0: No. I mean, it may be a fan base if he's going off of loyalty. Possibly it could be up there because Cleveland fans are always showing up, you know, at Browns games, but they've got a brown paper sack over their face, you know, because of how put off they are with their franchise.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, but um, that's I, a tough one for me.
0: Detroit. So okay. So let let's name off Detroit's franchises. You have the Red Wings, great franchise there in the NHL. They've fallen off the past few years. Um, you have the Pistons, which I'm sorry they haven't been uh, relevant since the 90s. Um, uh, uh, was
1: I think they won what in 02? I think they won a. They won. And I think they tried to repeat in O, or they won an 01 and tried to repeat in 02 or 02 and 03. One of those. But yeah, I mean, consistently, they haven't been anything since
0: the 90s. Exactly. You have the Tigers, which, I mean, they were good during the Jim Leland days as manager with Verlander on the mound. Um, and then you have the Lions, another franchise that hasn't. Been to the Super Bowl and hasn't even won a Super Bowl.
1: No, nah, it's one of the worst ownership, one of the worst teams with ownership. So, yeah, I, I, I don't. See
0: I, me. I, the only only franchise that sticks out in, in out of those ones there for me is the Red Wings. Yeah,
1: I mean, I I can see Not that. that. Any of the other ones, they haven't done anything. And I don't see games or watch any games where I see a Detroit jersey and Detroit's not playing. That makes sense. Oh, I agree. You know, every once in a while, you'll watch a New York Giants game and they'll be playing like the Jets or Tampa and you see a Raiders jersey. You're on the wrong coast for the Raiders, and someone's Mm -hmm. still wearing a Raiders jersey. Like how? Now I can I can understand New York, even if it's Jets or Giants for football, baseball.
0: Now you do you have the list of all the franchises in New York pulled up? I do not. Okay, so pull it up because after long list. Pull it up because I have been naming all of these franchises off the top of my head and I want to try and see if I can get all the New York ones right off the top of my head. So okay. So let, let me know when you have the list.
1: Um, all right, here we go. Newyork.com. Okay, this should be
0: all the list
1: according to Newyork.com. Go okay. ahead.
0: All right, so obviously with this... You know, the most, you know, um, iconic, I guess you could say. You have the Yankees. You have the Mets. You have the Giants. You have the Jets. You have the Rangers. You have the Islanders. You have – are we going to consider the New Jersey Nets, New York? Or the Brooklyn Nets. No, they're, they're the Brooklyn Nets now. They used to be New Jersey. So Brooklyn Nets, you have the New York Knicks. Um, the MLS franchises, you have uh, – oh, it's
1: – What is it?
0: Is it Red? Is it New York Red Bull?
1: Yep.
0: Ha-ha! Um, let's see.
1: And then there, there's two more teams that you're missing. One's soccer and one's basketball.
0: Uh, you've got the Nets, the Knicks.
1: It's a different division. Or a different league,
0: I should say. Oh, it's the WNBA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. It is the uh, Liberty. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, oh, you're this, not gonna... this this other MLS franchise is recently new. Yes,
1: I believe so. Yes, because I've never heard of them.
0: It is, uh, you know, I, I'm just going to follow the current trend of the recently new uh, MLS franchises and say it's uh, New York FC
1: no magic really yes
0: is that really an MLS I
1: don't think it's MLS I believe this is what did it say United Soccer Leagues
0: oh
1: uh, yeah I don't know what that's even connected to but they don't even have
0: it's the women's it's the women's team
1: okay that, that's why no one knows about it. Yeah, and see, they don't even have uh, the Nets on this list. So I don't even know if they consider
0: them. Well, I mean, the you have, it used to be the New Jersey Nets. Now they're the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. I mean, technically, if we're going New York proper, then you could count, you can count the Giants and the Jets as well, but you know, technically, Giants and Jets are in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Exactly. They're not New York.
1: But yeah, I, I can agree with this
0: list. I mean,
1: the Yankees have how many titles?
0: I mean, look at you have the bleacher crowd, for yeah. God's sake, in right field. I mean, the, the bleacher creatures are some of the hardest fans, you know, when it comes to opposing fans and also to opposing teams.
1: The Knicks are one of their original basketball teams.
0: Mm-hmm. And one of the most iconic arenas ever in the world, Madison Square Garden.
1: Oh, absolutely. Along with the Rangers,
0: the Islanders are... Just opened up a new stadium, and, oh, it's beautiful. Is it? It I is. You look uh, at it. U, UBS Arena, if I remember correctly, is what it's called. They're on Long Island, but absolutely beautiful. They did huh. a great job with it.
1: I'll definitely have to look at it.
0: Okay. Number four on the list for Mad Dog was Chicago. And... So go ahead and pull up Chicago franchises and then pull up Philly franchises. Because so far, I've, I'm, I'm on money with all these.
1: Okay, so Chicago. Let's see. Okay, choosechicago.com, a guide to Chicago sports teams. Okay, I think this will work. This looks okay. pretty good.
0: So, obviously you've got the Bulls. You've got the Bears. You have the Cubbies and the White Sox. You have the Blackhawks. You okay. have uh, the Chicago Fire.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and if I remember correctly, the women's soccer team name is the Chicago Rain?
1: No, Red Stars.
0: Ah, Red Stars. It was started with an R. I was close. And then, close. Oh, there is. Am I missing one?
1: So you're missing two. One of them I'm you you won't get because it's not I, a major league. So um, I'm but,
0: I'm missing I'm missing the WNBA franchise, ain't I?
1: Yes. That's the winning
0: is. Get. It is. Uh, I, I, I know this one too. Throw it at the me. Sky. Get, get, sky. Chicago Sky.
1: Yeah. And then mm. the other one that you wouldn't have got.
0: Let is... me guess it's G League.
1: Well, it's a hockey – it's the Chicago Wolves. And it's in the Hockey League,
0: International uh, Hockey League. So it's the IHL, which uh, they play the Kansas City Mavericks. And so the IHL is kind of like the farm system for the NHL. Exactly. Um, which and then everyone chi-
1: loves, but no yes. one knows most of those teams.
0: Well, sh- Chicago has a G League team, yes? Or is it ch- – Where is the Bulls G League team?
1: I'm not sure.
0: It doesn't have them listed, but let me see. Because I know a a lot of the teams with G League do their G League team kind of in the same area.
1: Okay, so it is in Chicago. Um, That's a really cheesy name. Windy City
0: Bulls. Windy City Bulls. All right. Yeah, I mean,
1: they basically just put Windy City Bulls under the eyes of the Bulls mascot, so you only see from the eyes of the orange. So, I mean, they're kind of... recreating the iconic logo. Wow. I mean, it's a way to kind of stay consistent, I
0: guess. At least they're they're still making it recognizable to fans.
1: Exactly. So I can't say anything.
0: Okay. So then Philly was fifth on this list, which I, I think they should have been higher. Um, do you have those franchises pulled up?
1: I'm pulling it up now.
0: Okay. Um, let's see, sports this,
1: sports this, whole
0: se- this whole segment's gone on a completely different tangent.
1: <laughs> it completely but, has. That's okay. But
0: you know what? I love I love this because it's testing the knowledge, you know, of our, of, of our sports, or at least of my, you know, memory. Um, okay. It's – these are the random facts that could possibly win Jeopardy one day or something. In so, a kids.
1: Specific category, yeah.
0: Exactly. So, kids, make sure you read encyclopedias of sports.
1: Okay. Professional sports teams. See if I can get a better list off of that besides Wikipedia. I guess I'll have to go to Wikipedia then.
0: Oh wow, this is a madhouse.
1: No, okay, this should work. Yep, this should work.
0: Okay. So you've got the Phillies, got the 76ers, you have the Eagles, you have the Flyers. Um You have the Philadelphia Union, which is the MLS franchise. Yes. Um, They do not have a G League team because their G League team is in Delaware, um, just down the highway from Philly. Uh, They They have have a USFL team. Yes, they do, which is uh, – oh, God, the SLFL is so terrible um, this year because the Marauders are in Pittsburgh, Stallions are down in Birmingham, um, Generals are in New Jersey. Bandits are down in Tampa. Gamblers are in Houston. I am blanking on the name of the USFL team A Philly. Stars. Stars. Wow.
1: It's a very like cheesy name
0: for Philadelphia. It, it really is. I mean, you wouldn't expect it to be the Stars.
1: No. And then the only other one...
0: Is probably the women's soccer team.
1: Yeah, see, I'm not seeing a,
0: a name no. for that. Okay.
1: I'll, I'll look it up. But um, another one that you might know, because Bon Jovi owns them.
0: Oh, what is the Philadelphia Soul. There you go. Are they still in existence?
1: I believe so.
0: No. I Um, could have sworn they went bankrupt because Bon Jovi and Ron Jaworski own that team.
1: So the women's soccer team is Uh Independence. And then, let's see, I just lost it. There it is. Okay, click on the soul. Let's see. Ah, they were a professional arena football team based in Philadelphia. The Soul made five Arena Bowl appearances, winning their first appearance and losing their next two appearances.
0: The Soul was a damn good franchise during the time of Arena League. I mean, I still remember going to games in Kansas City at Kemper Arena seeing the uh, Kansas City Brigade and then, you know, we were also, Kansas City was also, I think, called the Command as well at one point too that changed ownerships and changed bankruptcy a couple different times but the soul was always one of the teams that you know was true and consistent in arena football
1: exactly and they're they had a great image a good look
0: great logo great uniform
1: yeah um, so for what I can find they operated until 2009 then were purchased and revived in 2010. And so after two seasons of net activity, they returned in 2011. And then following the 2019 season, the AFL ceased operations again.
0: Mm. So. Yeah, you know, arena football, that's, that's one, one sport I would love to see come back and fans really buy into again. I think it would <clears> do... <throat> It would do so much better than the USFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, but it, it would was... have
0: to it would have to have the proper ownership and commissioner at the top, actually running the league the way it should be.
1: <coughs> Sorry, uh, yeah i I always enjoyed arena football, but it's one of those that like if you're there, it's a lot cooler. Uh-huh. than trying to watch it on tv but i always thought it was exciting and i even had their video game when they came out with the video game And i thought it was pretty fun it wasn't as advanced as madden at the time because it was their first one so you basically just created a season but yeah it was one of those leagues that was very interactive now they have so many different Variations of arena football with all these other fan-controlled football and different operations, but if if the traditional AFL could come back, I think it could be more successful than it was last time.
0: Oh, I one hundred percent agree with that.
1: And I think if you keep the teams local, you know, if you if if you only bring back eight teams and do you know, four on the kind of the east to like mid-coast and then you do four on the west coast. I think it'll help keep it more financially stable as well. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what we're seeing with the USFL and the XFL coming back.
0: Well, the USFL took an interesting turn, you know, to their season this year too for their inaugural season by playing all the games in Birmingham, Alabama
1: yeah which i think is actually a great idea i would have maybe done done something more central like st louis
0: and st louis yeah. is a city that deserves another football team yeah and I, let and them I see think, how how they could withhold the usfl all 8 teams
1: exactly and i think it's really weird and maybe they just did this because of money or contract or whatever But you're playing the championship on the other, like, on the north region of the USA, of America, compared to Birmingham being in the south. You know what I mean? Like, you're changing, that's like playing all your games in Dallas, and then just going, okay, cool, now we're going to play all our games in Chicago for the last game of the year.
0: Yeah, makes no sense
1: I'm trying I'm going to see where it's being held I don't remember exactly Tom Benson
0: Hall of Fame Stadium it's in Canton
1: yeah so they're going from Birmingham to
0: Ohio I mean two, two cities that really if you think about it tourist wise don't have much to offer Uh, no, I. I mean, when I. I could when maybe
1: I, understand Canton just because of the Hall of Fame.
0: Yes, but you have nothing else.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think St. Louis would have
0: been a better
1: operation because it's more central for all the teams, and it's a former NFL town. It's got a stadium that's not really being used. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been better than trying to operate from a college town, but. I mean they're they're trying to make it work with what they
0: got and
1: so far I mean them.
0: so far they're having a decent fan turnout as well from the from the Birmingham you know crowd. Yeah. So and then let's see. The
1: season will end with a back-to-back semifinal game starting at 3 p.m. Saturday, June 25th. And then The championship will take place Sunday, July 3rd. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I don't know if I would have done the championship game so close to 4th of
0: July. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get a big draw out of that. Everyone with 4th of July being on a Monday, everyone's going to be busy shooting off fireworks that weekend.
1: Yeah, I probably would have done it the last Sunday in June, kind of bumped everything back a week, but mm-hmm. we'll see how how it goes.
0: So, all right, real quick then, let's finish up this topic since we went off on such a crazy tangent.
1: Testing
0: my knowledge of uh, cities and their franchises that they actually have. Um, but real we'll quick, my that for next my. Time. My top five fan bases in the NFL, Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Denver. We'll elaborate more later on in the season on why those five are my top five. But I want to hear your five.
1: Uh, My top five are Cowboys, Buffalo, Steelers, Raiders, and Eagles.
0: Okay, I got a bone to pick with you on that. We'll do it I, later I, in I, the season.
1: I just think those are some of the more iconic, iconic franchise fan bases.
0: I, I don't have the loudest <laughs> stadium in the world. I mean that changes. I feel like every season, two or three times. So, one hundred and forty-two point two decibels. My son, one hundred and forty-two point two. Until.
1: You know, Seattle tries to break it later this year, which they won't. But all right,
0: all right, real quick,
1: move on to franchises.
0: Yep, sneak peek of franchise players. We're going to give you just one player in each of these three positions. And like I said, it's a sneak peek leading up into something we have late coming in a future episode where we're really going to dive into franchise players. All right, Chance, let me hear your top quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive end going into the 2022 season.
1: Okay, so the first one, uh, let's go over quarterback. For now, I'm going to have my home still. He's been my franchise player for the last two years. He's going on third year. I'm getting a little questionable right now with him because he's losing his top wide receiver. He's got an aging tight end, so I've, I think he's got um, Herbert nipping at his heels right now, but I'm going to keep with my hope. I had Lamb as a franchise wide receiver for the last two years, because I, I really saw big hopes with him at wide receiver with the Cowboys. Um, you know, great rookie year. Second year was good, not great, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put Waddle in there right now as my wide receiver, my top wide receiver because I'd like to see what he can do with a with another top talent player. Um, so I want to see how he can maintain and with Hill joining him, and then for my defensive guy. It's no question that it's T.J. Watt, the the better Watt brother right now.
0: And you He's just man. have a you have a love affair with T.J. Watt. I mean, let's be real.
1: Yeah, I, I think he he is a franchise player for any team. I I would not be surprised if every NFL team would hands down. Take him in a heartbeat to be their franchise defensive player.
0: Oh, and I know I would.
1: I mean, I love his brother, but ever since he stepped into the league, I think he's outproduced his brother. So those are my my three guys right there.
0: It's bold with you taking Waddle as your as your receiver.
1: It is, but I. I, I like Jefferson from Minnesota, but he's his quarterback scares me. Um, you know, Tua scares me too. And I think I have more faith in cousins than Tua, but Tua is running a different offensive scheme where he's able to get Waddle the ball at the line of scrimmage. And with Waddle's size and quickness, he's able to make guys move kind of like Tyreek did with the Chiefs
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I think that has helped him produce so much his rookie year already
0: well and the yeah. it, it's only get going to get better numbers now with having Tyreek on that same offense you know it's yeah. only going to open up more plays
1: so I think that's that's why I substituted him as the number one wide receiver over Lamb um, you know Lamb had a big opportunity last year to kind of make bigger waves and I don't know if it was McCarthy or if it was um, his offensive coordinator or just him or Dak or whatever but he never he never took that big next step and so that's why I'm going to put Waddle there is to see see if he can make that big step with a top guy coming in
0: I, I like it though. I like it. Um, you know, we're both the same on the quarterback. Mahomes, you know. You you kind of had to figure that was going to come for me anyways, being the diehard Chiefs fan I am. But find me a better quarterback out there and then we can have a discussion. But right now it's still Mahomes. Um, receiver wise, I've got Cooper Cup. You know, I, I'm I'm sorry, but after the performance he had last year and coming off of winning a Super Bowl now and a contract extension and the way him and Matthew Stafford have just meshed in a, in the first season together under that Sean McVay offense, I think it's going to get even better this year. You know, in and, and Cup, no matter what, is someone – I would love to have on any offense because he just makes that quarterback better. He makes the whole entire offense better to begin with. Um, And defensively, I mean, can you have a better guy than Miles Garrett? I mean, you can with TJ Watt, but Garrett, he has a way of just changing a play, even if he, even if the ball's going to the opposite side, he is, he's still in the backfield. He's still pressuring the quarterback, still somehow making a difference on the play. Even when he's getting triple teamed. I mean, you have offensive that offensive lines that are putting a guard and a tackle and a tight end all to defend miles Garrett. And that just opens up so many other options. then for your defense to do with stunts and everything else.
1: No, I, I I agree. I don't think... Now he is, what, a year older than TJ? Yes. Yeah, so I, I like TJ better, and I think he's more dependable when it comes to being an injury-prone and stuff.
0: I think TJ Watt got the better part of the bargain or the deal, you know, with the team he landed on.
1: Oh, I think yeah.
0: my, I my, Garrett, he, he got the raw to the deal. I mean, they're both in the same division, but one's on the a team that's constantly making the playoffs and winning the division while Garrett is at the bottom of the dumpster. And, you know, he's staying true to Cleveland though. And is you know, wants to stay in Cleveland and that that's, that's, that says something right there because he wants to make that franchise better.
1: Yeah. And, and
0: that, then, that's, that, that's something my, as myself, if I'm creating a franchise, that's what I want in a player is someone who's going to stick with this franchise and do what he can to mentor the young players coming in and bring in other veterans that will have the same attitude to build a great team. And I think that's kind of one reason why I, I put him over TJ Watt, not saying TJ Watt wouldn't do that, But I think Miles Garrett doing it on the Browns speaks a little bit more.
1: No, and I agree. And I think if he ended up in somewhere like Kansas City, who has a more established offense, a more consistent offense like the Steelers did for TJ, I think you're looking at, in a more stable front office and coaching staff and owner and all that, I think you're looking at, a different Miles Garrett as well. And so he might be producing the TJ Watt numbers or even better because he's with a franchise and a staff and a team that's more reliable and more consistent to player development and player success and team success. So I, I completely understand that. I mean, going to the Browns, struggling. You know, how many head coaches has he had since he's been there? You know, we, we said that with Baker, but, like...
0: How many quarterbacks it, has he had?
1: Exactly. Like, you go for a defense, like, it's just as tough, you know? When your offense is literally going three and out, three and out, three and out, I understand why he missed so many games, because he's wearing himself out, just trying to help a losing cause. So... I like it. I like Cup. Cup is – I think he was my big, you know, fantasy guy last year that I stole from a lot of people in later rounds that no one saw coming, and I kind of early predicted him to be a
0: breakout, and so I'm
1: happy that I got that because I won a couple championships because of him,
0: but – Dude, don't get me started on fantasy football championships – <laughs> how many years? In, how many years in a row is it now that I have finished second in our ESPN league? It has oh. been every ev- every year since the be- inception of that league. Yeah, it has always been Jared and I in the championship, and me constantly finishing second.
1: <laughs> well, I think this year you, I think I, my I, wife ended up beating you. Or-
0: yeah. This this year this year was just an off year for me. Yeah, I yeah because I I don't think I actually made the championship this year. But every year it's always been hey championship round you can count on Jared and Sean.
1: Right, and that's that's literally the only league that like you know out of the other what, eight leagues that I was in I was competitive and was in the championship in five of them and then you get to that league and I don't. Apparently, I can't even get to the playoffs in my own league, so. But I do have a question on who's your number two quarterback behind Mahomes.
0: Number two quarterback behind Mahomes.
1: It's it's hard for me not
0: to fall in love with Herbert. You've got to go a young quarterback. I mean, because you, I think if your other fans out there, you know, you're thinking, oh, hey, you know. We're just ranking you know our top quarterbacks in the league right now, but no, we're we're trying to take someone that we can build a franchise and build a dynasty around for years to come. It's not who at this year is going to be our top quarterback or our top two. You know, so I, I agree with you. It's got to be someone young and it's got to be someone who has the potential and has started showing it as well. and it it is Herbert. This kid is something special, and I'm excited to see this rivalry continue to bloom between Mahomes and Herbert and the games they're going to have. Um, Part of me is really torn because I want to go Josh Allen as well because he's such a physical, strong, devoted, and motivational quarterback as well. But there's just something about Herbert that – He just has that next level. And I think if he gets the right pieces and the pieces are healthy in that Chargers offense, then Kansas City, you've got to watch out and Buffalo, you've got to watch out because there might be a new name and a new team to contend for that Lamar Hunt trophy.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that. I like Alan. The only thing that scares me is he's he's too much of a Cam Newton two that he's gonna break and wear down just like Cam did.
0: He is very, very physical and puts his body too much on the line. And you know that that does scare me as well. So he needs to he's got aspects of I want to say Ben Roethlisberger, but then also Cam Newton at the same time. It's like a Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton mix. Mm, Yes. If you really want to think of it, because he's got the size and the physicality and the pocket presence of Ben Roethlisberger, but then he has that, you know, unwavering ability to, you know, just pound (laughs) it out like Cam Newton did. Exactly. I agree with that. I'm excited for the episode we're going to do when we actually dive further in. um, Because we're really, when we come into this franchise player segment later on um, before the start of the season, we're really going to dive deep into this and really get into almost every position, if not every position, to see, you know, who we're going to build a team with, um, you know, and I, I think we've even got to kind of include some kickers too. Um, Cause who doesn't love a good Harrison Butker, the butt kicker. Right. I mean that, I mean that, that nickname just is great to start with.
1: I mean, Hey, I've won a championship off of a kicker, so I'm all about kickers. So,
0: all right coach you ready for your corner
1: well i was thinking we could skip this today if you'd like since we're running so long if you wanted to you know we can jump right into four verts, or i
0: I, yeah i think uh let go ahead and uh just give them a little teaser of what's coming next episode then for coach's corner okay and uh you know, they. You know, you're you're just going to have to hold out till next episode, then. But, uh, you know, what what do they have coming?
1: Well, we're going to talk about the Raiders and just a quick kind of breakdown of adding Devonte Adams and taking the the leap of faith of bringing him in to compete in the AFC and especially in their division and compared how their offenses have been and what they could be.
0: Quick question on this. Does the Josh McDaniels experiment work this time in Oakland? Sorry, right, Oakland, Las Vegas. Uh, there's, there's $5, gonna, $5 in the team relocation jar.
1: <laughs> I'm going to say yes. I, I think he learned from his mistakes in Denver especially with the whole Tebow thing so I I think he has a more realistic concept of what will work and not just what's the flavor of the month that makes sense
0: it does does he does he try to imitate Belichick or is he going to bring his own system
1: Honestly, I think you just bring your own system because we've seen Belichick is a great coach and he'll go down as, if not the best, one of the best coaches of all time in the NFL. But we've seen too many coaches under his tree try to recreate his system and it never works out because that's a unique situation with a unique franchise and owner and front office that bought into what he talked about. And I don't know if that can work anymore in a internet, social media type frenzy environment that we live in now. That makes sense. I think it works for him now because he's done for so long. So everyone's like, no, this is Bill Bochick. He's the all-time winningest coach we're just gonna do what he says, like, even if it sounds crazy, you know? So I think for McDaniels, it's take things here and there, but I think you put it, you make it fit to your system and how you want things done. And I think you highlight what worked and didn't work in Denver and you move on and you create the future for the Raiders.
0: I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I'm I'm am uh, I'm really stuck in my head now for a topic, uh, for later this season, and it's it's, going to be breaking down coaching trees and the success of, coaching trees um, from certain coaches. I mean, yeah, we that'd, have,
1: that'd be a great one.
0: I we have Andy Reid, you have Belichick. I mean, just. I think you've got to compare those two coaching trees right there um, between each other and just look at the success that each tree has had. Um, So I, I, that, that's a, that's one I'm, we'll have to dive dive into later this season. Um, Maybe do it as a halfway point or something through the season, but it's uh, now time for one of my favorites uh, just from the teaser episode. And that's four verts. Our bold predictions. And uh, let's just say we both went opposite directions this week. Um, you went the college level this week. Uh, hit, hit, hit me with them.
1: Okay. Do uh, you want me to do both or do you want me to do one and then you do one of yours? Uh, go ahead and do both. Okay. So I love college football. I love it more than NFL. I think my love for the NFL has grown because of fantasy football, which uh-huh. I I think is what saved the NFL for the longest reason, honestly, in the last couple of years. But uh, college is changing so much. And so with USC, you know, making the honestly it was a desperate hire for them to get a top coach that who was winning with with Lincoln Riley and keeping the best recruits in the state in-state to go to USC instead of go to Oklahoma or various colleges like Texas or Alabama or stuff like that. You know, if you can keep one of the top offensive coaches, it helps create a more stable environment in California. So it was a great move, but... I do see USC going nine and three under Riley in the first year in the Pac-12, and I say that because they have a weak schedule. They and do. I, I one two three four five six, I could see them going six and zero, oh. and then you play at Utah. That I believe Utah could win that one. Um, And then I think they beat Arizona, California, Colorado. And then I think UCLA beats them. And I think Notre Dame beats them. You know, so if they go to, or whatever bowl game they go to, depends on if they can get 10 wins. Um, Unless, you know, Caleb Williams gets hurt, or if they're one of their wide receivers that they're bringing in gets hurt. I think they're going to stay competitive and they could probably go, win the pack 12 possibly
0: i i don't think they win the pack 12 this year um i think there's talks of them you know contending for the title um but like you said i, I think realistically the first six games of the season you know there's there's a good shot of them going 6-0 and um stanford Week two is probably going to give them the biggest fight of those first six games. Um, and that I, I think they could potentially see their first loss right there. But I don't think they have, you know, another shot of truly losing a game until it's uh, against Utah and that it, it's in Utah. And I, I, I think the Utes come out and, you know, put it to Riley and Williams in that game. Um and you know, I, I think the UCLA and Notre Dame, I think they both lose as well. So I'll go eight and four on the season for uh, uh USC. But and
1: I and I misspoke. Um, if Utah and UCLA both beat USC, they won't compete. they'll get third in their division. Yeah. I didn't realize, or, and I've probably known this and I just forgot because I don't pay attention to Pac-12 as much since we don't get their games as much, really. Um, Utah is in the South Division and Stanford is in the North, which makes no sense to me. But I would think that would be switched. But yeah, Utah or UCLA, if they both beat them, that puts them at third. And then right now for the North, I mean, Oregon's got to be your favorite to win. I
0: it, then, it, is, is Oregon really going to be your favorite to win with the new head coach?
1: Right now, I think it they have to be. For the North division, they have to be the favorite to win out of that division. I don't see – I mean, unless Stanford can flip it around and go seven and two instead of two and seven in conference – or, you know, Washington really hasn't been anything since their coach stepped down a couple of years ago. Washington State can maybe, you know, put it together and make that big push to take the division over. But, yeah, right now I think Oregon's still your favorite and I think it comes down to Oregon and Utah to win that conference So, and then while we're talking upsets and craziness with college, and this might make a lot of people upset or think oh. I'm crazy, but I genuinely think George is going to have three losses in the SEC this year. I think they're going to have the championship hangover, and I think they could get upset a couple times
0: you think Georgia is going to get that sloppy
1: I, I do I think they had they had too much turnover to the NFL and so I think right now I think Auburn Florida and Mississippi State are kind of your teams to upset them I'd maybe put Kentucky in there with Mississippi State kind of rotate either one of those games. Because you're at Kentucky and you're at Mississippi State.
0: Oh, I, I, I def I would definitely take Kentucky over Mississippi State. I mean, just look at how that Kentucky team performed last year. And you know, with stoops at the helm.
1: Yeah. I'm. I agree. I that's the only thing I scares me about Kentucky is they have so much going on, so many people coming back
0: that they almost have that. It's almost, it's, a, it's almost kind of creating a perfect storm for Kentucky where they're yeah. not it, they're not going to win the SEC, but there's the chance that they're going to make enough noise to, fight where, for it. to either fight for it or they're going to shake up that conference enough to where you're going to have an unexpected team playing in Atlanta for uh, the title on Championship Sunday.
1: Yeah, and they do start the year out with Oregon, I don't – I see Georgia kind of winning that. I don't think – just to start the year and facing your old coach, I think that makes kind of the perfect storm for them to get off on the right foot um, and go go 1-0, then Sanford, so 2-0, South Carolina, 3-0, Kent State, 4-0. Missouri, I'm not sold on right now. So I think, you know, you go five and then you get to Auburn and you play Auburn at your home, so I can maybe see that being an upset, but if they win it, great, but I still see Florida, Kentucky, and Mississippi State kind of pulling an upset. I think Tennessee is great. I think Heifel has a lot going on for them, but I don't see them competing just yet, even with a high turnover Georgia team right now.
0: Ten. I, I'm not sold on Tennessee. I mean, and it's – I think it's – the reason why is the past couple years have ruined Tennessee for me with them having so much hype going into the season. And they, you know, even even they start the game out really well the first couple weeks, and then they just get annihilated, and they, you know, loss after loss after loss. And I, I want to cheer on old Rocky Top. But, you know, they, they can't – they can't put together a consistent start to a season, and I, I can't get behind the falls.
1: No, I, I, I understand that. I, I get it because, I mean, you had Pittsburgh at home, and you lose it 41-34. I mean, it's in your grasp, and you kind of let that slip by. You get stomped by Florida. Then you come back and you stop Missouri. You beat South Carolina and then you lose to Ole Miss and you lose by five. I mean, that that's two games that slip by you on ranked teams. You beat Kentucky by three so you pull the upset there. You get slaughtered by Georgia and then you you beat South Alabama, Vanderbilt. You lose to Purdue by three points. So, in overtime, I mean, you got three games right there that you should have won. And in the SEC, one game, you know, kind of hurts you. One loss can really hurt you and where you wind up. And so. And, and to Heifel's history at UCF, he had a great run, but he also was taking over a team that was already successful with the exactly. coach stepping away. So we haven't really seen his recruits step in and make the big turn of containing the wins and the momentum. So I think that's, that's going to be the tough part is, okay, who did mm-hmm. you bring in? That can be a difference maker where you're not getting upset by Purdue and you pull off, you know, another upset over Kentucky. And you don't let, you know, one of these Mississippi or Pittsburgh games get away from you. If you turn overturn two of those games, you're you're fighting with Georgia or Alabama or you know, whoever else for the you know, championship spot late in the year, so they might they might be a uh, big team to watch this year for me for and bold predictions. And
0: we'll uh, definitely have we'll definitely have a show that uh, going into that college season where we'll dedicate you know probably the whole episode to college and being able to break down you know uh you know the each conference and you know what we have coming from each conference and it it might end up being a two-parter episode too um but i I think this year in in the college level there's been a lot of moves in the off season and it it, it's, it's going to shake up the landscape um this year on how how some of these games play out
1: yeah absolutely
0: so uh, we'll go into my bold predictions now, my four verts. Uh, keep, them, keep them easy. Uh, you know, you, you might not agree with one of them. You might agree. You might not. Uh, but this first one, Jimmy G, 49ers, he'll be traded going into camp, and the Trey Lance era officially begins. Where that trade happens, I'm not sure. I'm kind of leaning towards Carolina because Carolina needs a quarterback. They need someone. If Matt Rule wants to keep his job and wants to succeed, he needs to find himself a quarterback that can actually get the job done. Sam Darnold is not that guy.
1: And I, I don't think he is. I had hopes for him to be the guy. Um but I hear, you know, more rumors about possibly Baker getting traded there now, depending on how much the Browns want to pay, you know, his part of the salary. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because Carolina's kind of hurt themselves financially with making the trade for Sam Darnold.
0: I mean, so, each, each one of these guys, I mean, Jimmy G and Baker both, Either whatever team takes them, you know, it's going to have a lot of financial responsibilities.
1: Yeah, and I think I think Baker provides you with more athleticism, which could help Carolina with the with the situation of McCaffrey, you know. So it provides you more of a read option um, Mm -hmm. outlook because I don't I don't see Jimmy G doing an RPO type system and I. From what we've seen in college, Matt Matt Rule kind of likes that system.
0: I almost um, think if if Carolina wants to be successful and Matt Rule wants, you know, he, he's gonna to have to make some changes and with kind of the offensive pieces Carolina has, you know, an RPO could potentially work. But I think he needs to change it up and McCaffrey, you know, he's getting injured way too often you need to kind of lessen his load or find something that's going to work a little bit better. That's going to kind of take away that chance of injury and Mm -hmm. bringing in a quarterback like Jimmy G that is a very pocket centric quarterback that will allow, you know, McCaffrey to be able to, you know, get out and have some wheel routes, everything else like that, have some dinks and dunks here and there, but then also kind of spread out that load to other receivers and then also allow McCaffrey then to just have a normal load as well of a running back and have, you know, a, those decent carries, I think might potentially help overall that offense and might help extend McCaffrey's career as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think with them signing uh, Deontay Foreman, I think that helps provide more of a power run game which McCather is kind of lacking with his injuries and stuff, and so that opens up a more power run game with the play action and everything, which Baker and Jimmy G are phenomenal at. I think they're better play action guys, kind of like Russell Wilson, than they are pocket. And so they work better moving a little bit. You know, Jimmy's great at the pocket, but I think he's better with the play action and the one, he's two, three.
0: He's good in the pocket, but like like you said, I mean, he, he's good with you know the play action with a little bit of bootleg action as well.
1: Yeah, he's, and I I just, yeah, I think he's better with a little movement into his throws, but I don't see it being far off. I just don't know if anybody's willing to take him because of his shoulder injury. I think it's a little different with Baker because he got his surgery sooner because they didn't make the playoffs and they didn't do anything but with Jimmy making it all the way to you know conference finals I think that that does set you back a month and you know four to eight weeks and so that kind of makes me more hesitant of is he going to be ready for August is he going to be ready for early September and so Uh that could scare teams away
0: I, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what plays out. Um, you know I, I think I think once it comes down to you know first week, you know September 11th that Sunday, I don't think Jimmy G's on the 49ers roster um, where he is. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I do think something's going to happen there around around camp time. Um, and I think whenever the news does break, it's going to be a big story, Um, and we're we're going to talk about it for a little bit, Um, but I think it's then also going to be shadowed by another move that's going to happen in the league around the same time, because I think if something happens with Garoppolo, something's going to happen with Mayfield around the same time as well.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that happening.
0: So it's going to be it's just who, who, which piece of the puzzle falls first.
1: Yeah, and I'm trying to think of what, what team could come in late and pick up one of these guys via trade. And, and as much as I don't like it, Miami the Lions and the Giants really could be three teams that come in late and kind of pick up a guy for to kind of be the backup
0: you know I was going back and forth between the Panthers and the Giants for Jimmy G I because I think Brian DeBull, you know first year in New York he's gonna he's got a lot riding on him, especially in that New York media. Um, but depending on what he does with Daniel Jones and how he handles the Daniel Jones situation, um, or the Daniel Jones experiment, if we want to call it, um, is really going to say something about his, his coaching tenure, um, in New York and how long, how long it's going to last. Um, yeah. So.
1: And another team that could be an option is the Saints. If if Winston gets hurt,
0: which is always a given,
1: that that could be your your fourth option of being a sneaky pickup. I don't, and I feel like they would be more in favor getting Jimmy G because I don't know if. Landry will want to reconnect with Baker? No. So but yeah, and then what's your uh, what's your second one?
0: Okay, I, you might want to sit down for this one if you aren't. because um, it deals with your cowboys.
1: i I think you'll be shocked.
0: they're They're going to have a dismal start to the season. You know, I think by time we get to the bye week, uh, McCarthy is on the hot seat, if not fired by then. Um, But I definitely think they're going to miss the playoffs. And at the end of the season, he's out of the job. Um, But it depended on how bad the start of the season is. I think McCarthy could potentially be gone halfway through the season, but definitely gone at the end of the season.
1: I I think he's already on the hot seat. I think it might not be fire, but it's it's warming. And it doesn't help that his possible replacement is his defense coordinator or Sean Payton, who literally just kind of retired and yeah. randomly in the offseason. So
0: well, I mean, I think you have three, three candidates right now vying for that Cowboys job um, before it even opens up, and it's Dan Quinn, it's Kellen Moore, and it's Sean Payton.
1: I I don't want to see Kellen Moore like he's already produced questionable offense and made questionable play calling. In certain scenarios, I don't need him to be the next um, Jason Garrett for two decades.
0: and and I agree, but...
1: For next decade.
0: You know it's something that you can see Jerry Jones doing, though.
1: Yeah, and that's the problem. Is it a true viable option that could happen that no one
0: wants? And that's because... Cherry Jones is making decisions when he shouldn't. So,
1: but honestly, you have two tough games back to back with the Buccaneers and the Bengals. And if yeah. we can go one and one with those two games, I think you're good. If you go two and oh, you're great. But if you can go one and one, especially if you can beat the Buccaneers, that helps you just set up a little bit better and the NFC, but if you can go one on one, I think you set yourself up to be more successful down the road. If you go on and two, you're you're trying to claw your way back up the up in the NFC, and you know, I think one. Giants aren't great, but the Giants play better early in the year than they do at the end so I think that's still a tough game but definitely one week should win
0: yeah I, I kind of laugh at the schedule makers here um just the luck of the draw you've got us uh you have to say with uh opening the season two years in a row against Tampa yeah I, I mean that it's almost a punch in the face to Cowboys fans you know um, having to open the season against Brady again, and now this time it's at home. I think it would have been worse if it was at Tampa.
1: Um, yeah,
0: but to open the season two years in a row against the Buccaneers is—if <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm—I'm not—I'm not sending a Christmas card to those schedule makers this year.
1: Well, and I think it's a. I mean, I don't mind it because it's a great way to start the NFL season. But it's definitely not the most like enjoyable first game of the year for us. That's for sure. No,
0: I mean, if anything, I would have rather seen a matchup. You know, I mean, you look at you look at this Cowboys schedule. Week one, you've got the Buccaneers. You got Bengals in two uh, Giants three. Commanders for Rams 5, Eagles 6, Lions 7, Bears week 8, by week in week 9, um, Packers 10, Vikings 11, Giants 12, Colts 13, Houston 14, Jacksonville 15, week 16, the Eagles 17, Titans, and then finish up the season week 18. They went with the Commanders. You know, I think opening up the season, I would have liked to see the Colts, the Vikings or the Rams um, opening up the season for the Cowboys. I I think those three games might have been a better matchup.
1: Well, and I'll say I like the Buccaneers just because right now they're still questioning if they're healthy. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the only advantage we have. But I think the Colts would have been a great opener for us, and Minnesota would have been great. I I would have been okay with us opening up with the division game with maybe the Commanders or the Giants. But I I like it, and really this week one schedule is kind of they really kind of made this a interesting way. I mean, your first game of the year, Thursday Night Football, is Buffalo and L.A. So you they, had the team that played and won the Super Bowl and the team that almost made it to the Super Bowl.
0: Just a coin, coin flip away and a game away.
1: And then we have Cleveland and Carolina on Sunday at noon. I think that's kind of interesting how they've been having trade talks for the last three months. And now they're just randomly gonna play each other week one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love that we're getting Cincinnati and Pittsburgh early in the season.
0: I, I love I love the division matches here in week one. You've got New Orleans and Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I who's uh after New. the trade um, with Matt Ryan going to the Colts. Uh, who, who is it now in Atlanta?
1: Oh, uh, it's Mariota, but then you also have the rookie quarterback uh, from Cincinnati that could possibly even start possible, you know possibly mm-hmm. so that that actually could be a really good game and it'll be more could be closer than what we think
0: here's one to highlight and if this happens trey lance versus justin fields in chicago week one
1: It could that. be interesting. I, I think it's going to be more of a dud than what people are hoping for because I don't see Chicago operating on full cylinders. I think they're still a year away from doing that. But I see the potential that you're talking about with that.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I think New England and Miami is a good matchup.
0: That is. And then one that's also interesting for me, too, Patrick Mahomes going up against his college coach in Cliff Kingsbury with Arizona.
1: Yeah, and this that, will be Arizona's first uh, well, immediate challenge of not having Hopkins and having you know Brown being reintroduced to a new offense. So I think that's gonna be that could be, you know, game of the afternoon besides Las Vegas and the Chargers.
0: Oh, that that'll be a great game right there. And then it leads into Sunday night with Tampa at Dallas. Yeah. And then lo and behold, the schedule makers have done it again. Russell Wilson going to Seattle to play his former team on Monday night football in week one.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you, and this is why I said you can't write
0: this stuff up.
1: Oh, and this is why I was saying it was kind of funny to me is the NFL is taking note of what are big topics of off season talks and creating games to produce
0: money, and you can see it just by looking at ticket prices right now. For some of these games. I The lowest lowest ticket price for the Denver-Seattle game right now on June 15th is $293. And that's the lowest ticket price.
1: No thank you.
0: Compare that to the lowest ticket price in week one. And that is the Colts at Houston. A ticket... Lowest ticket price right now at NRG Stadium in Houston is $25.
1: Woo, sign me up for that one.
0: (laughs) Get to see some Wentz and uh, David Mills action right there. Or not Wentz, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan and David Mills action.
1: And I honestly think Mills is the next Matt Ryan.
0: He surprised everyone
1: yeah he was he was the best rookie quarterback last year
0: you know i i hate to say it chance uh but he stuck his neck out on the line i mean he's and that, that that's just you know i i don't know how many people out there will get that joke but uh he's got a long neck yeah so i'm sorry terrible pun i'm awful you can <laughs> condemn me later but uh I, I, I went there.
1: That's all right. That's why he's the next Matt Ryan.
0: We just need a cool nickname like Matty Ice for David Mills.
1: General Mills? Uh, uh, I think who is that? I think the fantasy
0: uh, I think are right there.
1: Yeah, I think they already covered that one. Which, if y'all don't check that podcast out, you should. It's hilarious, and they give you great insight for about for fantasy football. We are not sponsored by them, but I just—it's one of my favorite.
0: Yeah, you know, we're we're not sponsored by anyone yet. If you <laughs> do want to sponsor us, um, feel free. We will shout your name out as many times as you want in the podcast. I mean, I don't care if it's a person sponsoring us. If it's your grandma, I mean, we'll shout out Grandma Jones, you know, 10 different times in the podcast if it means she's going to give us some money or at least uh, part of her Christmas cake. I mean, something. But, you know, if you want to give us a little bit of sponsorship, a little bit of help here and there, get your name shouted out, get your business, you know, hit us up. Um, at Sport Trenches is the Twitter page. That is at Sports Trenches, is the Twitter page. Um, feel free to give us a DM, tweet at us, whatever. Um, you know, we've got our website up on there too. Follow us on Spotify and on Anchor. Um, new podcasts are going to be dropping every Friday, um, going to be at about 10 a.m. They're going to drop um, every Friday. And as we start getting into the season, Uh we'll have uh at least one more episode every week as well. And I think uh we're gonna shoot for at least a Tuesday, I think on that um to be dropping as well. So we'll have Tuesdays and Fridays um for new podcasts as we get into the actual season. Um, but as we're leading into the season every Friday, ten A. M. um, new podcast. And, you know, we've got a lot of good things in the works um, here at In the Trenches. Um, you know, Chance, we're working on some graphics as well. Um, you've, you've done some really cool things there as well. Um, you know, we might hopefully, potentially, if we can get enough listenership and enough followers um, and enough engagement, maybe potentially starting a little bit of merchandise out there as well. Um, you know, maybe throw some hats out there, throw some t-shirts, you know, a coffee mug here or there too, or something like that. Um, You know, wouldn't be, it it would be fun to get, get our brand out there that we're creating um, and really, really show the love um, that, you know, not only our loved ones have given us and by supporting us, uh, but then also the fans that have been with us from day one, even, way before day one, our days at Ottawa on First Cut Live, Um, you know, we still have some very avid listeners and um, followers from those days um, still following us now.
1: Yeah, and we are very thankful for those that have, you know, helped us and supported us, and for the people that have listened to the teaser and Gave us feedback. Um, I know my audio is not the best right now. I'm going to upgrade and get a mic. I've, you know, I'm a parent right now, so things have kind of changed and priorities.
0: He's, he's got priorities. Made. You've got to go out and find the formula. You know, it's tough right now. Oh my gosh,
1: that it's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like i've been to so many walgreens and just like hey when do you get a truck uh we get it friday okay great do you know if you're gonna have formula now nah, we have no idea what we're getting okay great and so they show up and they're like oh yeah we put everything out that we had and there's literally like two items that have been added and they're not even like the same brand
0: mm.
1: and so and then when walmart gets it in it's gone before you even notice and you know i know people have said that WIC their WIC office can't even get it in because they can't even find anybody to deliver it to them now so man it's crazy times that's for sure
0: Uh, I'm kind of glad I'm not a parent at this time I'm just a puppy parent um, because luckily I'm not having to deal with the crisis you you have Um, it's got to be a tough one
1: yeah, it definitely it definitely gets tough, but definitely uh, follow us on Spotify and give us a rating and feel free to you know tweet at us or leave us any comments on what you like, what you don't like, because well, we want to be it. as inner you know inner um,
0: entertaining and engaged with our fans as possible
1: engaged with our fans as much as possible.
0: I mean, you know, we, we really rely on you guys um, for what you want uh, this podcast to be. I ultimately a goal is for us, you know, down the road, months down the road, if not, you know, it could take a year is to really start having fan engagement during the show. Um, maybe doing a live, you know, as well to where we have fans ask questions or, you know, bringing on, bringing on some guests and bringing on some fans as well, um, during the podcast. That way we can actually, you know, get their involvement as well. Um, you know, that's down the road, but it's something we want your feedback on your engagement, um, and really want to know what you guys have to say about what we're producing and creating for you guys. Um, because ultimately we wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for our fans and our listeners. Um, So, again, thank you. Um, I'm excited to see what next week brings us. Um, Any final words there, Coach?
1: Just like us, follow us, rate us, and uh, just interact, interact with us as much as you want. And we would love to talk to you about almost anything, really. And follow us on Twitter at Sports Trenches. Um, I We try to repost and give our thoughts on stuff as much as we can. And we're thankful for you all and for those that have helped us with that teaser episode. And I hope you just keep following us and watch us get better and better.
0: Amen to that. Again, you know, that's following us on Twitter at Sports Trenches. Follow us on Spotify and Anchor. You can find us both on there with the podcast. Again, new podcasts are going to be dropping Friday at 10 a.m. every week, and as we get into the season, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10 a.m. It's been another fun one there, Coach. For the Coach Chance Clemens, I'm Sean Ludden. We'll catch you next week on In the Trenches Sports. Good night, everybody.